It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. It's steady at the top of the Big Ten and might stay that way for another weekend, but we've got a couple of movers from the bottom half of the Big Ten, and they'll be in focus on the Big Baseball Podcast. I'm Kyle Charters with local T-ball coach Drew Charters. Uh, excited for the show today, we'll have on fourth-year Maryland coach Rob Vaughn. His team, the Terps, one of those movers. Drew, Maryland is above 500 for the first time all season. That seems hard to believe. But the Dirty Terps got off to a, a rough start at the beginning of this season. They've had to claw their way back. They're 7-3 and three in April, 8-3 and three in their last 11 if you go back to uh, the last game of March. And they sweep Ohio State this weekend, uh, a Buckeye team that a couple of weeks ago we were really talking about after its sweep of Indiana. Uh, but, man, Maryland uh, looked really good against the Buckeyes over the weekend. Well, I think Maryland's a pretty easy team to figure out, right? You've got the three guys on offense who you knew were going to be there, and Bednar, Costas, and Aline. You were unsure about the rest of the lineup offensively. You needed guys to step up. Benjamin Cowles has certainly been that person who has stepped the, up. I mean, he's the Big Ten Player of the Year. If the yeah. season ended right now, he clearly would be the Big Ten Player of the Year, right? I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Yeah, leads the Big Ten in home runs, averages yeah. up. So you've got Cowles who steps up. Can you find another guy or two to step up in that offense? And can the weekend rotation pitch well enough to win you games? And that's exactly what happened this weekend against Ohio State. That rotation yeah. was outstanding. Sean Burke, Nick Dean, who, uh, you know, for the Terrapins, hopefully they've found something in Nick Dean because I think that third starter has been something that, that they're searching for. 20 and a third innings combined by the starters, 16 hits, eight runs, 23 strikeouts. If Maryland continues to pitch like that, Cows continues to play well. Maybe they get one more guy on the offense. Watch out for the yeah, Terrapins. A couple of freshmen in the lineup. We'll talk to uh, Rob Vaughn about those guys. Jason Savakul, a freshman too, who has been excellent as one of the weekend starters. And you mentioned Nick Dean. He had mono to start the season. I mean, you have mono to start the season. Things are not going to go well. So he was slow to get yeah. out there in the rotation. And then uh, I, of the three guys over this weekend, I, I think he ultimately ends up uh, with the best numbers in the Saturday start and just shuts down Ohio State. Could Maryland work its way back into the top four in the Big Ten here in the second half of the year? The top four, yes. Top three? No. <laughs> that was my original I question. Know, you, I changed you, it. You changed it a little bit. Top three, no, because they're going to – I mean – you look at the top three right now and who you, you're bumping out IU. You're bumping out IU, and IU has a three-game series against Minnesota this weekend. I mean, they're going to be 18-8 yeah. and eight after this weekend. So I don't think you're bumping IU out of there. Maryland still has a long way to what go. What if Can Maryland pitches that four? well every weekend? What if Maxwell Costas continues to hit the ball? He had his first home run, Drew, of the whole season yeah. on Sunday. The first one. Two years ago, he hit 15 bombs. Last year in the shortened season, he hit like 470. Now, he's been a little nicked up. Has been in and out of the lineup, back in now, and then he, you know, hits one finally. Sure, uh, if but, they play yeah. like they did this weekend and the pitching staff is outstanding, maybe they find a couple more guys on offense. Maybe, but I don't think they're, I don't think they're catching IU. Yeah, it's a big hole. I mean, they're 13 and 12. Uh, that, that would be 
you know, you're, you're four games behind Indiana. Basically, you're really six games out of the top couple of spots. That's just, it's not, not feasible. Um, but interesting look at, at Maryland after, you know, digging itself a hole and, and now getting the sweep against Ohio State. I thought maybe the Terps could win that series. I didn't think they would get the sweep, though. But that's a team that's, if it gets the weekend pitching like that, uh, it, it's a pretty well-rounded squad, especially with that offense. And if Maxwell Costas, you know, hits the ball like we all know he's capable of hitting it, uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good lineup. The other team that came out of nowhere, I mean nowhere, we watch Purdue every weekend, obviously, calling the games. And they had, the Boilermakers had gotten better, two and two in the, in the pod at Michigan State. And you thought, okay, they're starting to show some things. The, the schedule's easing up a little bit. But to go win four games against two different opponents and quality opponents, not great, but in the middle of the pack, middle of the lower of the pack now, I think, yeah. in, in Michigan State and Illinois, uh, to win four games is, is difficult, though, I, I think, against any competition. And, I mean, it's got to be the most shocking result of the weekend. Purdue goes 4-0. and And suddenly, it's not like Purdue's going to – so when we're calling the games over the weekend, I, I said this to you, right? Uh, after Purdue won the first two games against Michigan State, I, I think I said on the air on our broadcast, I'm like, you know, they, they can't get back to 500. It's too big a hole to climb out of, right? I mean, it, you just can't do it. Well, then they win – because at that point, you're thinking, well – They'll beat, I mean, Illinois had smashed Michigan State. They scored like 28 runs in two games or whatever the number was. So you're like, okay, they're going to win. At best case, Purdue wins one of two against Illinois, right? So you're still, then at that point, you would come out of the weekend 9 and 16. You're not going to, you still got seven games to make up to get back to 500. And you'll run out of time if you lose six more games, right? Because, you know, do the math. Carry the. But now. But now at ten and fifteen, you're like okay, and, and then you and look at the schedule too. The last seven games of the year, you know who they play the last seven games of the year. Not. They play Minnesota and Penn State. Yeah, and they've got three against three more against Illinois, who they yeah you know, just they, arguably they dominated in the two games. I mean Illinois yeah. pitching. Yeah, uh, they'll be they'll be better at the top because Purdue will face their. You know the pods are a little bit weird. I know because you yeah. don't face, and and you 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 could not face. Uh, and how the lay, how the schedule laid out for Purdue the, those two weekends also was helpful, I think. Uh, the Boilermakers benefited a little bit there in that they did not play until Saturday of those pods. But So you'll face better pitching, although it, it gets thin on the fighting Illini quickly, I think. A little gets a little, little thin there uh, down the stretch, as, as we saw in Monday's game that got out of control, Purdue winning 20-6. to six. Uh, but yeah, I think all of a sudden you got to look at Purdue as a team, not that's going to compete anywhere, you know, in the top half of the league. Maybe it could get itself to seventh, uh, sixth, perhaps. I mean, there's a real log jam there in the the middle of the Big Ten. But you know, this is a, this is closer to the Purdue team that we expected to see. It, they were not; it was not good at the start of the year, and everyone was batting like a hundred points below his average. Which for veteran guys, guys like look, Skyler Hunter. What is it? Two is a three hundred career hitter, probably somewhere in there. And he was hitting one seventy. Yeah. You're know, like, that's just not gonna. That's not gonna hold up for the whole season. He's gonna find his way back to his average. He's played too much baseball not to find his way back to his average. And now some of those guys like him are finding their way back to their average. 
I, I think Purdue has certainly found some things on both the pitching mound and offensively. They just seem to be rolling in all aspects of the game. They've, you know, they switched Calvin Shapira to the Friday night starter, mm-hmm. and he has uh, settled in there. He's really been good. Yeah, three of the last four starts, quality yeah. starts, and I, I think he's probably a guy on Friday night that if you were going to list off you know, your top guys in the Big Ten, he wouldn't be on that list, but I think that's probably because people are overlooking him at this point and just don't know a lot about him. I think that he's a, he's a good Friday night starter. Yeah, Trent Johnson is now better as a Saturday or Sunday starter than he was on Friday at a Friday starter. He was good on Friday. Purdue's still searching for that third guy. Corey Brooks has pitched extremely well in his last two starts. So I'm sure that he will get the ball uh, again this upcoming weekend for Mm -hmm. them and and hopefully do it for a third time in a row. And then offensively, you mentioned Skylar Hunter is hitting the ball. Now miles Symington is in the the top five in the big 10 and batting average. Now, Zach Fash is hitting over 300 now. Those are guys that you expected to hit at the beginning of the season that weren't and and now are. Mike Bolton Jr., who's been a pinch runner his entire career for Purdue, has come out of nowhere and Mm -hmm. has been in the lineup and getting on base. And when he gets on base, good things happen. So, uh, you know, you felt like things were all coming together for Purdue, at least watching them every game. You felt like they were inching closer and closer every week, and now it has paid off, and they're the first Big Ten school to sweep a pod. It sort of stayed status quo at the top of the Big Ten here in the last couple of weeks. Nebraska 18-6, and six, a half game up on Michigan, which is 18-7. and seven. Indiana is 15-8. and eight. Iowa, we should talk about the Hawkeyes, and we'll do that a little bit later, 15-10. and 10. Uh, The Hawkeyes have been pretty good. Then there are four teams, Maryland, Ohio State, Northwestern, Rutgers, all at 13-12 and 12, or 12-12, 12 and 12, and then a, a drop-off, I think. To everyone else. The interesting thing for this week as we look ahead to the weekend, um, I'm not sure anything changes in, in this last weekend of April. I mean, Rutgers at Michigan, favorable to the Wolverines. Rutgers might be able to win that series, might be able to win a game. Nebraska at Michigan State, the Spartans have, have leveled off here in, as we get set for the second half. Minnesota at Indiana. Yeah. Mm. Um, we, know the, we know the score there. So I, I don't think that, the point being, I, I don't know that anything really changes this weekend. I think we have to get to May, and maybe even not till the second weekend of May, to really see some movement at the top. If we see any movement at all at the top. I mean, we might get to that last weekend at Michigan-Nebraska series in Lincoln, and that might be the decider for who gets this auto bid into the NCAA tournament. Well, I think what is interesting about this upcoming weekend is the pod, right? We've talked about this a little bit already with Iowa and Maryland sitting at fourth and fifth right now in the Big Ten. And, you know, can those teams stick with those top three of Nebraska, Michigan, and Indiana? And in the pod this weekend is Iowa at four, Maryland at five, and Northwestern at seven. Mm-hmm. So you've got three teams right there who want to be included in that top three that are all playing each other this weekend. So it'll be interesting to watch and see who comes out of that. Does somebody come out? on top or do they all sort of just stick together and do those top three get more separation? Yeah. Interesting to see. Yeah. Maryland and Iowa. I think those are two teams that, you know, if you're looking at that number four spot, the Hawkeyes obviously have that right now, but Maryland lurks there. Ohio state hosting Penn state, uh, an opportunity for the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are only one in five after that sweep of Indiana and still sitting there though at 13 and 12. So, you know, don't count uh, Ohio State out, and it gets more favorable 
matchup this weekend. All right, Drew, let's hit the uh, big bat, big arm. Where do we want to start? Let's start with big arm this week. Uh, what you got? All right, we got uh, – let's stick with Maryland since we've uh, talked about them already uh, this episode. Sean Burke, six innings, three hits, nine strikeouts in his win versus Ohio State. Uh, the other Maryland pitcher, Nick Dean, uh, really well. Eight innings, just four hits, eight strikeouts in his outing. Cam, Cam Bauman for Iowa pitched well again uh, in a win versus Rutgers. Calvin Shapira for Purdue, eight innings, three hits, seven strikeouts. A couple of guys who in that game, uh, Shapira versus Erla, both got no decisions, both pitched outstanding. Erla, eight innings for Michigan State, four hits, six strikeouts. Uh, Jack uh, Liffrig for Minnesota got a loss, but had eight strikeouts in seven innings. Cameron Weston for Michigan pitched well, again, eight strikeouts in seven innings. Lonsway got another loss, but had 11 strikeouts in six innings. A complete game, seven-inning game for Drew Irvine from Iowa, five strikeouts and a win versus Rutgers. Uh, We're going to go a little south of of where we are here in Lafayette to Bloomington uh, this week for Gabe Bierman. And a win versus Northwestern. Bierman went seven and two-thirds innings, just gave up two hits, no runs, walked one, struck out six. So we'll give big arm to the Hoosier, Bierman. All right, big bat, let's uh, zip through some of these guys. Peyton Williams for Iowa was a homer away from a cycle and a win versus Rutgers. Danny Zimmerman had a couple of home runs and six RBI in Michigan's 21-6 win against Minnesota. The Gophers missed the extra point. Luke Schleiger, uh, freshman, hit the or he had the walk-off walk in the bottom of the 10th Saturday for Maryland. He's one of those freshmen, Drew, in that lineup that has helped to deepen yeah. the Terps a little bit. Uh, let's see... Vincent Biachina, am I saying that right? Two run, two home run game against IU for Northwestern. Evan Albrook had a good game. Look, he got a couple of <laughs> RBI without getting a hit as Purdue won the extra inning game against Michigan State on Saturday. Had a ground out in the ninth. The tie forced extras where then he hit a sacrifice fly to walk it off in 11. That at that time was Purdue's third walk-off win in its seventh victory of the year. That's sort of crazy. Wild. Albrecht ended off with his shirt off at the end of that celebration. Uh, Danny DiGiorgia uh, had the walk-off on Sunday as Rutgers rallied from down six in the eighth to win against Iowa. Scored five in the eighth, including a grand slam by Evan Slight. It's six ribbies. That was the sixth grand slam of the year for Rutgers. That's insane. You kidding me? Maxwell Costas, we mentioned him. He had his first home run of the season. Crazy. Uh, Ted Burton, three homers, seven RBI over the weekend. Ben Norman hit 400 with a couple of homers, eight RBI, six runs. Jeremy Short hit a grand slam. Speaking of grand slams, the freshman for Purdue in the big game. But we're going to uh, we're going to keep it home here. Miles Simington for the Boilermakers. A had a nice bat flip. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> B, the two-run double in the top of the ninth to give uh, Purdue the lead in its win against Illinois on Sunday, and then followed that up in his next at-bat the next day with a two-run home run. Now, on the double, he thought he hit a home run. So it went with the epic uh, bat flip into the air, and then uh, trotted a couple of steps and then ran to second. Harder running into second. I've watched that replay like, I don't know, six times. I still <laughs> cannot see where that ball hit the top of the fence. Yeah. I thought it was out. 
Well, it lands in the, I mean, it ends up in the field. I know. I mean, you can't argue that it was a home I'm run. I'm not arguing it. Oh. I just, to, to Simington's credit, I thought it was a home run also. I think everybody did. And I still don't even know how it stayed in the park. <laughs> yeah. Well, he thought he had a home run. And it would have been a grand slam, speaking of grand slams. Uh, right? The bases it were was. loaded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he ends up with the two-run double. Purdue won that game six to four. Uh, Miles has has sauce, right? Is that the he way does. you put it? I think so. Yeah. If you're a Purdue fan, you definitely. Say yeah, no, sauce. I like it. It's, I mean, it's great. Like even when he's just, I mean, I, I, like twenty four seven. Yeah, not no. even like when he hits one off the top. Of yeah, twenty four seven sauce. Yeah, he's uh, he's into it. <laughs> Dialed in at all times, ready to go. Yeah. And ready to hit a double. He has like a thousand doubles this year, which I think leads the Big Ten. If you have a thousand, it leads the Big Ten. Uh, so uh, Miles Simington is our big bat for this week. Let's get to the interview with Rob Vaughn, the fourth-year coach for the Maryland Terrapins. That's coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 101.7 The Hammer. Happy to welcome in Rob Vaughn, the fourth-year head coach at Maryland, of course, in his ninth year with the Terrapins uh, and the coaching staff uh, on the Big Baseball Podcast. Hey, Rob, really appreciate your time. We like talking to you and especially like talking to you at a time where your your team is playing pretty good baseball these days, coming off a sweep against Ohio State, a Buckeye team that had itself been playing pretty well. And here in April, your team with a 7-3 and three record. You know, after a little bit of a slow start, you've got to feel pretty good about uh, now where your team is a little bit halfway through the season. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we definitely got off to a slow start. I think, you know, playing some good teams there. I think it's part of hopping right into a Big Ten conference schedule. You don't, you don't get your feet wet. I mean, you're, you're day one, day two, you're facing Mason Erla. You know, you got 98 coming at you on day two. So there's not really a whole lot of time to, to kind of figure some things out, but that's just, you know, that's kind of the, the landscape of, of our season this year. But, you know, we, we've talked a lot about it. We just weren't clean enough early. We just did not play clean enough baseball. Too many too many freebies, too many, you know, lack of picking each other up, whether it was us putting guys on base via the walk or via an error or us just not being clean behind the plate with too many wild pitches and pass balls. And it's just stuff that we've gone to work every day. You know, I think – it's like a hitter that goes over his first five. If he steps in the box trying to get five hits every single time, he's in big trouble, you know. And I think the one thing this group is really committed to do over about the last, you know, month or so is is to go one and zero every day. You know, be that practice, be that whatever it is. Like, you know, at one point I think we were three or four or five games under five hundred, whatever we were at one point. I think you start feeling the pressure trying to do and get all those back in one day and try to climb from eleventh to second or first or second in the Big Ten and one day it ain't happening so this group's been really mature and just has showed up every day and we've just gotten cleaner and cleaner we're still not a finished product but I thought this weekend we we played a really good brand of baseball we very competitive very inspired very clean um, like you said against a really good opponent so really proud of what we did I think now is the biggest test is can we keep moving the right direction Everybody was sort of in the same boat to start the season, uh, but it was a little bit difficult, right? I mean, just jumping straight in to the Big Ten. You know, I think a lot of teams, your program included, do play good competition during the non-conference season in a typical year, but you also have a weekend or two 
where maybe you're playing a, a lower division team just to sort of, you know, get the guys used to the routine and maybe see some, some pitching that you can hit a little bit and, and, you know, get the confidence level up to jump right in against a, a Mason Erla <laughs> like you did. I mean, does uh, create its own sort of, uh, you know, difficulty at the start of the season. And uh, it has taken you guys a little bit of time to, to sort of crawl out of that hole. No doubt. No doubt. And like you said, man, that's, that's, if that's what it took for us to play college baseball this year, I was in, you know, it didn't matter <laughs> what we were doing, but you're exactly right. Every year we try to put a really good conference or a really good schedule together. Um, but you do, do, you do it strategically. You know, you yeah. challenge your guys, you kind of have a good blend of games that you're going to go get pushed pretty hard and games that, you know, you, you should go out and, and win and do some things. And, you know, I think not having midweek games is a challenge, you know, having some of the guys that, when they're scuffling, you don't have them. It's hard to let them kind of work through some things because your schedule is so condensed and limited. You kind of got to plug some some other guys in. But you know what? It's uh, it's still been a fun year. It's been a lot of growing year, um, and we're playing baseball. So at the end of the day, I'm good with it. But it has been unique, and it's been unique for all of us. You've got the third highest scoring team in the Big Ten, which I think was was probably expected for your group and the lineup and the the name guys that we know about. Uh, I think maybe um, the runs aren't coming quite in the way that we expected. The, the average isn't quite uh, maybe where we thought it would be, but you're really hitting for power. I think, you know, the second uh, highest home run rate in the Big Ten, and it's a guy in Benjamin Cowles that is really raking for you uh, this year. What has been the interesting part for you about the offense and sort of how it has come together this season? Yeah, you know, I, I think offensively the biggest thing, run scored is all that matters to me, you know, and I think when you look at when you look at averages, when you look at a lot of that stuff, um, you know, I think some of that is you look at kind of the teams you're playing to, the level of arms you're facing. You don't have some of those midweek teams you play. You don't have some of those preseason teams you play. So so for us to be putting some of the numbers up we're putting up um, on the offensive side, I think it's pretty great, you know, and, and I'm just so happy for Cal's. Holy cow, that guy has worked his tail off his entire career and has always been a solid defender, has always been a guy that um, really worked and that our coaching staff, even when we recruit him, you see the athleticism, you see the potential, um, you know, and you've also seen him be very streaky through his career. You've seen him have weekends where he would carry your team and then kind of disappear for a couple of weeks. And, you know, the thing that's been so impressive about Benny is, shoot, he – I mean, from day one, yeah, I think, what is it, second weekend, he hit five homers in that weekend, and you're like, okay, was this kind of that hot weekend? <laughs> it was a good good time to hit. The wind was blowing out, and the dude just keeps doing it, you know, and, and he's he's getting big hits for us. He's doing it when it matters. He's just matured so much as a player, and the amount of work he puts into it is awesome. But you're exactly right. You know, I think we thought a lot of our firepower from home run standpoints would probably come from Maxwell, you know, from yeah. Costas, and he's just – kind of been banged up he's finally starting to get healthy he got into a ball on on Sunday that's back to the costas that we know um but if you were going to tell me we're going to have the third highest scoring offense in the league with Maxwell Costas having three extra base hits on the entire year I'd have <laughs> probably told you you were nuts but that's it's a testament to what this group does man they compete together there's uh there's some really good young freshmen that are growing I mean we got a freshman hitting three and a freshman hitting five for us two young pups that are right in the middle of it that haven't flinched and have been great. And so really proud. I think, you know, when we played Nebraska um, two weeks ago, 
you you really see what a front line offense looks like. That's that's the best team we've seen in our league this year as far as the way they play the game. It's impressive and and they do it both ways. They can drive drive the baseball and really slug, but they can also create. And that's what when we're at our best, that's what we can do. And so for me, it was a really good barometer as a coach to be able to see that and say, okay, here's what we're doing really well, and here's what we got to get better at. Um, and so every day we're going to be out practice here in about two hours and get right back after it. There's a lot of good freshmen in the Big Ten this year, and, and you've got a few of them, right? I mean, one of them in your rotation and the two guys that you mentioned in the lineup. I mean, this is a pretty good year. I mean, it's obviously a good year for veterans, and it's a deep Big Ten, and part of that is because, you know, of the draft and some guys coming back and, you know, having the short year last year and all of that. But, but man, there's some really good freshmen in the Big Ten, and, and you've got some of those. No doubt. You know, Cal's, I think, or I'm sorry, um, Shaw is going to be a special yeah. player here. You know, Shaw and Schliger are two just great players, and they're both playing positions that matter. You know, like Shaw's hitting in our two or three hole every single day. Shig's catching or DHing and hitting four or five every day. Um, they're right in the middle. You know, it's not like you get two freshmen that are talented that have some ability that you're hiding in the nine hole. Like, they're in pretty <laughs> key spots. And so they're really good. And you're exactly right. You look around the league. Cade Kern's one of the best freshmen I've ever seen. Like, mm -hmm. that guy's – I mean, he just flat-out rakes. And he's special. You look just around the league at the amount of young players that are good. You're exactly right. This league is very deep this year. I think that's why, you know, Nebraska's kind of there at the top right now, um, and, and deservedly so. They're a very, very good team. But, shoot, you got about teams three through ten all within about two or three mm -hmm. games of each other one way or the other. And – I think that's the parity in the league. I think it's really deep. I was talking to a coach the other day, and that was our exact comment is, you know, holy cow, there's not a weekend you roll into where it's like, all right, let's just show up and, and roll it out there and collect our wins and go home. I mean, up up and down through this league, it's tough. And so, um, you know, I think that, like you said, it's a, it's a mixture of some really good veterans that whether it's the draft or COVID or whatever it is are back this year and, and uh, you know, and then some young players coming in. You mentioned uh, Maxwell being banged up at the start of the year, and we know he missed a, a few games there as well. But, man, if, if he gets going like he's capable of getting going, that's just another huge bat to add to your lineup. I mean, we judge him against himself a little bit, right? I mean, a couple of years ago, he has 15 homers, and, sure. and you sort of judge him against, uh, you know, what he did in the shortened season last year and what he did a, a couple of years ago, and, and maybe that's a little bit, you know, harsh to do to a guy. But it does tell you what he's capable of being, and, obviously hit the home run on Sunday, which is hard to believe his first of the year. But, you know, if he has a second half like he's capable of having for a whole season, you guys just add another huge bat to the lineup. No doubt. You know, him, him and Bobby Zmarslack are two guys that have the ability to to just create. I mean, when they step in the box, they're in scoring position. That's those two guys, you know. I mean, with the way they drive the baseball. And, and you know, Max, Max works his tail off. He came back and – came back and just had a little bit of a wrist issue, worked through that. Even once he got back healthy, Max is a tough kid. You know, he got back healthy and good enough to play, but you could see it and all of us can see it. You're not – that's not the same explosiveness in his swing as he's had in his past. And about the last week to 10 days, you're starting to see in BP, there's some, some more snap to the barrel that's kind of getting going again. His swings he took even before the homer, like there was just some – some bat speed to it that I haven't seen in a while. So, you know, the weather's getting warmer. I think he's starting to feel better. Um, and you're exactly right. He He's the type of player um, that can carry your team through the second half. And, you know, you have a good – you have you have guys continue to grow, guys continue to get better, and you can get Maxwell doing what he's capable of. 
the offense could get really, really fun to be a part of. You haven't always gotten what you've needed from your weekend rotation this year until this last weekend when it was really outstanding. I don't know what the total numbers are, something like 20 innings and haven't given up six runs or something like that. I mean, just really good out of Sean Burke, Nick Dean, and Jason Savakul. Uh, those three guys, when they're dialed in like they were against Ohio State, you can stack those trio up just about against anyone. No question. And, you know, Berkey's a guy that's going to make a lot of money playing this game. I mean, it's it's got the fastball metrics that all the scouts stream about. He's up to 98. He can really pitch. It's really crazy. You know, he's he's a junior. This is his third year here. And coming into this season, he had made four collegiate starts. You know, his senior year of high school, he gets sidelined with Tommy John. His freshman year, he's yeah. still recovering from Tommy John, so he doesn't pitch. Sophomore year comes back. We have those four starts. Um, and then the season shut down. Wasn't able to play summer ball. Has this very disjointed, strange fall like everybody around the country had. Then you come back in the preseason. And I think it's so hard because we look at Berkey and we see a guy that that has this elite first-round type stuff. Um, and so you just expect, like, oh, he should go out and win every game. He should strike right. every person out. He should do that. And the reality is he's still growing. He's still maturing. And and he's going to get better and better the more he goes, you know, because the stuff is real. He's a competitive kid. He's a relentless worker. Um, and I think, he, you know, he, he had a great start for us this weekend. Shows what he's capable of. Because when he's on and he's pitching and he's commanding it and he's not trying to do too much, it's as good as it gets, you know. And then I think Dino's the same way in our – kind of hitting in that two-hole for us. And Nick, he, you know, had Mono to start the year. So when you have Mono, shoot, he was out <laughs> doing nothing for about two and a half weeks. Um, yeah. And then you got to build him all the way back up. He gets back healthy. And um, this was the first time his pitch count was built up to a point where you could get him about, I think we got him about 95 pitches to where he's kind of back in his thing. And it's like a video game when he's on because it's nothing is plus, plus, plus. It's not like he's going to run 95 out at you. But he's kind of the difference when everybody in our league has starters that are 94, 95 right now. And then you throw Dean out there who's 90, 92, but can really pitch and it's different breaking balls, change ups his best pitch. And when you have the ability to do some of that, it's just a little bit of an outlier, you know. And, and I think with Savvy, he's, I, he's the dude, and I told him this when I went and pull, pulled him out of the game on Sunday. I thought he's thrown two complete games for us in his young career already, which mm -hmm. is awesome. But Sunday was the most proud of him I've been all year because – the week before the same thing happened in the second inning, he got jumped by Nebraska for four or five runs and he could not stop the bleeding and we had to go get him. And I made the comment after that game, when Jason continues maturing, he understands like, Hey, those days I don't have my stuff or I lose my stuff for an inning. Yeah. I might give up four or five, but I'm going to get that over about five or six inning. I'm going to find a way to pitch later into the game. That's exactly what he did on Sunday. He gave – I mean, if we were having to go to the bullpen in the second inning, who knows what happens there. But he yeah. was able to weather the storm, hold it at bay, give our offense a chance. We crawled back in it, and then it let him settle back in and turn in five or six, whatever he threw. I thought he was fantastic. So those guys all have a chance to be to be very, very special. Um, and, like, hopefully as Maxwell heats up, those dudes start heating up too because we all know pitching and defense is what wins games. So yeah. much as we like to hit, as much as I love runs, we're going to have to be good on the mountain on defense. We want to be in the mix at the end here. You uh, you mentioned the lack of, of midweek games this year and, you know, calling the Purdue-Illinois uh, game on Monday, that turns into a, you know, a 20-6 slugfest, as it sometimes does in Champaign, especially on the fourth game of a weekend. 
But in those games, you have to try to find, like, your spots to pitch some of your young guys, right, or to get some of those guys in, some things that you usually do on a Tuesday uh, or Wednesday if it's not snowing, like it's probably <laughs> going to be here in the Midwest. Uh, but have you have you this season uh, – and I don't think you've had any games that have quite gotten out of control like that, but have you tried to find spots to get some other guys in that normally you would, you know, reserve those opportunities for a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday midweek game? And, and what's that balance been like to know you have to win the game because it's a Big Ten game, but also maybe you want to see a, a young arm or a young bat that you, you know, usually wouldn't put in there on a weekend? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a delicate balancing act right now, right? Like, because that's what you – we're never going to go into a game and approach it as, ah, let's get somebody some work. We're going to go out, like you said, and try to win every single game no matter what. But you try to find those points, whether hopefully it's when you're up big. That makes you feel a lot better than when you're down big. But you're trying to find some situations <laughs> yeah. where you, you can plug in a young hitter or even an older hitter that's just been scuffling, that's just not yeah. quite right. Maybe you can get him a couple of bats to try to get him going a young arm that needs to grow. We have a kid, Gavin Seltzluk, who's going to be a superstar here. Really good. Big arm. He's up to 97. Like, it's going to be awesome. Um, but he just – we haven't found enough windows. I would love to have gotten him more opportunities. But, unfortunately, when you're 13 and 12, generally you're not on the right end quite as much right. as you would like to be on. So, trying to find – spots for him but you know every Tuesday we come home and we play a scrimmage so even though we're not playing midweek games we scrimmage every Tuesday so we're going to scrimmage this afternoon and and you kind of have those guys that either didn't really pitch on the weekend some of those young guys and we tell them every we evaluate everything we evaluate everything we started a guy on Saturday Riley Langerman behind the plate that Riley has been busting his tail he's a junior college kid um, and I just don't think we've been clean enough behind the plate um, and Riley earned that opportunity to start that game in a huge spot with a chance to win the series because of what he'd been doing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays of practice. So, you know, we treat those very game-like. We get after it really hard in those days. And um, But you're right, that is the challenge. You're, you're trying to get some development with these young guys while at the same time keeping winning kind of at the highest priority. So we're hitting the second half of the Big Ten season. You guys are above 500 now. Uh, as you start to look ahead here toward – the NCAA tournament, man, the, the Big Ten is, is uh, you know, outside maybe the top two teams, top three teams, it gets stacked up, uh, you know, from about three through, well, 10 now at this point, maybe 11. How important does that make every single game? Because, you know, the NCAA tournament committee is, is going to have limited information about the Big Ten. I mean, you're just sort of sure. beating each other up. So a game here or there seems like it could matter tremendously if you're looking at the difference between you and Northwestern or you and Ohio State or, sure. or anybody else. I mean, what kind of pressure does that put on a team? And do you, do you look at it like that? Do you look at it like we've got to get to this magic number to, to get ourselves in consideration to, to be able to play in the postseason? Or, or how do you approach that here in the second half of the year? Yeah, you know, I think that's that's a we we know obviously whoever wins the league straight up's getting the automatic qualifier. So outside of winning the league, man, everything else is so out of our control. Because I honestly have no idea how the NCAA will look at it this year. You know, I don't know if with the Big Ten deciding to do something very different than a lot of the people in the country, are we going to kind of wear it a little bit because of that? I don't know. You know, I think the Big Ten's as good as I've seen it since I've been in the league, yeah. like top to bottom. You know, I don't. 
maybe you don't have that, you know, Illinois team from a couple of years ago that rattled off 26 straight wins. But top to bottom, these, I mean, they're, this league is good enough to get five or six bids this year. I think we all know that's not happening. So I think, to be honest, if you start really diving in and start saying, okay, well, if we do this and we do that and, you know, D1 baseball just relates their latest, their latest, you know, projections and this, I've spent so much of my career looking at that, <laughs> so much of it, and yeah. it does nothing but either tick you off, add pressure where you don't need it, or get you believing, hey, we're good. Kendall Rogers said we're a two <laughs> this week, so we're good. And then you go out and lay an egg for the next three weeks. So very honestly, we're not even in the realm of where we need to be to be a postseason team right now. Now, could we be? I think we could. I think we got the pieces here to do it. Um, but I think you look at it. I go back to 2014 when we were here. We weren't an NCAA team or team in 2014 until we won 18 of 19 games in May. We went on a run in May that was mm -hmm. as special of a run as I've ever been in. We did not lose in the month of May in the ACC, which was a pretty incredible feat for that team. Um, but you looked at it the same way there, and it was the same thing. If you start looking ahead and you start worrying about that, it's the most cliche coach speak thing ever. But I really believe for my well-being – for our players' well-being, everything we have to do just has to be diving in on us getting a little better every day. Two things we look at all the time is, is number one, um, is outs after free bases. You know, so if we walk a guy, if we make an error, wild pitch, pass ball, if we give you something, are we responding with an out? Because what's gotten our defense in trouble, what's got our pitching staff in trouble at times this year is – we don't give up runs in a lot of innings, but when we do, they've been crooked numbers. And that's because we haven't done a good job minimizing. So this year we've had two weekends that we were over 60% at getting outs after freebies. And one of them, we went three and one in the pod here with Michigan and Northwestern. Mm -hmm. And then this one with Ohio State where we just went three and oh. Only two all year we've been over mm -hmm. 60%, which our goal is 70% for that. Um, and so if you can do that, all it does is it minimizes stuff. And that's the game of baseball, especially with an offense that can score. We can give up a run here and there. We can give up two runs here and there. But when two turns into six or seven, which is what happened when we played Iowa last time, you know, it's a tight game. And in the eighth inning, we give up eight, you know, and yeah. it gets blown open. So that's been the story. Do, can we get outs after free stuff? And then the second thing is just how clean can we play, period. Like, clean defense so when I'm tracking stuff I'm not looking strictly at walks and errors it's walks errors box wild pitches pass balls anytime guys are getting an extra 90 feet how do we handle it and um and those are two things we track a lot and so to me I think if you can fall into paying attention to that stuff which pays attention to us obviously we're preparing for Iowa we're preparing for Northwestern you have to but so much of what we do is dependent on can we make routine plays? When, yeah. the, when it comes there, can we pick up the baseball and play catch? Can we execute offensively? I love homers. I love doubles. But can you move a runner to third base with, let, you know, with nobody out? Can you find a way to get him there? Can you pick up the run from third base less than two outs? When you can do those things, you got a chance to be really, really good. So, to me, that's got to be our focus, I think. It's fun and it's great to be able to pro project things. Shoot, my dad calls me every week if we're <laughs> if we're in the projections. He's excited when we're not. He thinks we stink and all that <laughs> stuff. So it's uh, yeah, it, it's fun to be able to follow that and it creates some buzz. But I think that's Nick Saban says it best. It's rat poison. If we start diving into that, we yeah. got to go one game at a time and 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 really continue to do that. I love what I saw this weekend. And if we can continue just that brand of baseball, and it doesn't mean we're going to sweep every weekend, but the 
the level of intensity, the confidence, the way we played is a recipe to play in the postseason. Before I let you go, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the the capital campaign for a facility uh, that you guys are working on over there at Maryland. That's the Player Development Center. Just where are you guys at with that? And, and you know, how important do you feel like it is to, to have a place, uh, an indoor facility dedicated uh, to baseball that uh, – you know, you'll be able to continue to, to improve guys and improve your program. Yeah, it's going to be huge. You know, we had a former player here, Stanley Bob. He played back here in the 50s and um, recently passed away. And his family basically came out and said, hey, we want to we want to do something. He, he loved his time at Maryland. We want to do something to kind of honor him on campus. And she was uh, fortunate to, to put forth a pretty good sum that allowed us to kind of get this thing off the ground. We were set to break ground last summer. Um, you know, and then obviously COVID kind of made you press pause on everything a little bit right there. But the plans are still coming. I'm waiting on a start date as far as when it's going to be, but it's going to be great. You know, right now we have we have a temporary structure that was put up 10 years ago, you know, and it was something that was put up before I ever got here. And you know what? It's it's cages. It's indoors. But mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's going to be really nice. This thing that they're building is 8,000 square feet. Um it's going to be fully, you know, temperature controlled, climate controlled. So it'll be a good setup for our guys, you know, especially in our part of the country this time of year, it's nice to have your own place to be able to get your work in. But at the same time, you know, me and my staff, we've said this all along. It's, it's really about people and about coaching. It's not, not about facilities. I know we're in a arms race around the country for facilities and shoot, who doesn't want something that's nicer and more comfortable and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we dogpiled twice and beat some pretty good teams in, in that little shack that we have out in the left. So um, so for us, it's going to be a great thing. We're very, very grateful, um, you know, to the Stanley Bob family. What, a, what an incredible investment in our young men. And, and, uh, and yeah, we're, we're obviously looking forward to continue to move with that. It's just going to keep adding to what we're doing here. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about that. And, you know, hope, hopeful within the, uh, the next year, next calendar year to, to kind of break ground on that thing and, and get that thing up and running. Yeah. Hey, Rob, appreciate it. Always appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck in Iowa uh, this weekend. Um, I know I will watch you play Purdue remotely since I'm not traveling this year, uh, but uh, looking forward to that uh, series as well. Hey, best of luck. Thanks for coming on with us. Kyle, I appreciate it, buddy. That's Maryland coach Rob Vaughn. We'll uh, take a break. We'll come back with more here in just a moment on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. This is the Big Baseball Podcast. Let's hit the weekend rotation, the three things that we will be talking about as we get started for this weekend of games. Drew Topic number one. Let's talk a little bit of Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa has had won seven in a row before losing on Sunday, a game in which they took a 7-1 to lead into the eighth inning. Uh, Rutgers rallied to get a victory. But the Hawkeyes have been, I don't know, sneaky good here to get themselves in the top four of the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's going to be really interesting to watch coming down the stretch. Not only those three teams at the top sort of battling with each other at the end of the season, but who out of the four through six is going to step up? Could it be Iowa? It certainly looked like it could be Iowa up until they blew that Sunday game. Just not a great end of the game for them. They were up 7-1. They hit two batters. Uh, They gave up a grand slam. Specifically in the last inning, they hit two batters and then 
lost the game on an air uh, to Rutgers there. But uh, pitching-wise, Trenton Wallace, Cam Bowman, Bowman has just uh, – I think he's been in our nominations at least for big arm like two or three straight weeks. And then Drew Irvine, those guys are three guys that we really haven't talked about a whole lot. But, man, they're trying to creep into that conversation about the best weekend rotation in the league, right? I mean, they're really good. Yeah, and I think you have to look at Iowa's schedule again. After the pod this weekend, in which they host Maryland and Northwestern, they have a trip to Indiana, which will be difficult, no no doubt about that. But then their schedule the rest of May, Penn State at home, Illinois at home, at Northwestern, at Michigan State, so either like teams or teams that are in the bottom right. half of the Big Ten. So once you get past maybe this pot in that Indiana series, I think there are some chance for some wins for Iowa. And, you know, if you're – I think we can separate those top three teams. I think those teams are probably NCAA tournament quality teams. Uh, I think if you're a fourth-place team in the Big Ten, you'd like to be as close to those teams as possible right. and have a little bit of – cushion then between you and everybody else because then I think in the eyes of the committee it looks like you're closer to being with that top group than you are with being that middle group and then if you're with that middle group you know it could just ignore you and leave you out of the tournament all right topic number two I I think a guy that we've got to give a little bit of credit to who we don't talk about nor do we talk about his team and that's Zach Robbie with the Minnesota Golden Gophers Minnesota just is is not very good Uh, but we need to give credit to a guy who is playing very well on a team that's not winning very many games. Yeah, you talk earlier about Cowles maybe being, you know, player of the year so far. But, I mean, if Robbie's on a better team, I mean, he's certainly up in the conversation, if not the conversation about it. He's hitting 405. He hits third for that Golden Gopher team. Look, Minnesota as a team is batting 240. Robbie is batting 405 himself. Yeah. So, I mean, just talk about a really good Solid, consistent player on a not-so-good team. It's got to be frustrating for him, but, you know, he's a junior. You know, we'll see what happens yeah. at the end of the season. He's certainly going to be, you know, looked at, um, you know, nationally. Um, but I don't even think, you know, it's weird that we do this big battery week, and I'm not even sure we've mentioned him in big bat yet this season, maybe once or twice. Uh, but it's certainly worth a mention that he's having an outstanding season. All right, what do we watch this weekend? Um, We already mentioned Iowa and Maryland with uh, Northwestern in the pod in Iowa City. I think that's sort of the one for this weekend, isn't it? If you're looking other than Purdue and Illinois, which we'll literally be watching at Alexander, it'll be nice to be back at home. Um, But the question is, you know, the question for Purdue is, can it keep it up against Illinois? So that we'll watch. But that... The pod is is the one for us to, to to really be looking at. Can one of those three teams separate itself a little bit from the others? Yeah, I, I think that's where the focus is. Maybe Ohio State, Penn State. You yeah. know, Ohio State has to win that series. Uh, a team that's been up and down. Up Ohio and down. State. Yeah. yeah, up and down team. So a, a series against Penn State at home, they've got to mm-hmm. win that series. All right, that'll do it for us for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, do all of that. We do appreciate it. All right. Uh, and thanks to Rob Vaughn as well for being on the uh, on the program with us today. All right. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer.
Yeah!